Hello and welcome to Right Here, Right Now with Lacey J. Dalton. On today's podcast, we'll dive deeper into her brand new single, Scarecrow. Additionally, we'll uncover some stories about the writing process, early childhood memories, and hardships. And now, here's Lacey J. Dalton, right here, right now. This is Leslie and Lacey uh, back for our next installment of our podcast. Uh, last time we were talking a little bit, Lacey, about uh, your divorce and and what came up, what what brought about the whole writing of the song Scarecrow. That's our our biggest project we're working on right now. So let's talk a little bit about about the song itself and you know kind of what you're what you're trying to portray in that song and and it, what we're doing on it. We have a new video that there, we just got to review today. That's kind of cool. So. Let's let's talk about that. How, how how does the song go? I mean, not to sing it, but talk, talk us through the process of the what's the song's all about. Well, the song is very different. Um, I'm not sure I've ever heard a song that sounds like Scarecrow. And so when people asked me when I was trying to get some backing uh, to make the CD, people would say, "Well, is this country?" And I said, "Well, no. <laughs> no. I I guess you might call it Americana." And then the head of the Americana Association heard it and said, "No, no. It's just simply not middle of the road and it's Americana," <laughs> which I think is like the broadest thing in the whole exactly. world. And what is middle of the road on that anyway? It, well, I've never been middle of the road, no, which has true. always been my problem. You know, I uh, you know I've always been kind of out on the edge of things, and which um, is and I'm you know I'm really very comfortable with that. Oh yeah. I wasn't when I was a kid. I remember when I was. Uh, well, at that point, you probably hadn't learned that being different was okay yet. You had to get to a point where you where you realize you are, and then you you become okay with it, and then you then it's, then you go. You know, I think I think a lot uh, a lot of people you know who are different, who have things that are different. I was always really creative, mm-hmm. and I remember uh, I used to paint, and I, uh, I wanted to. Be a, actually, I wanted to be a wildlife illustrator, oh, and I went to college to do that, uh-huh. and uh, took a guitar. I happened to have a guitar mm-hmm. with me. <laughs> and <laughs> so, everything went downhill from that. <laughs> yes, but, uh, exactly. Uh, you know, and actually, I think my personality may be more suited to uh, a quieter type of, uh, of existence than the one I actually have, because we're out on the road quite a bit, yeah. and I interact with people. Uh, on a on a regular basis Constantly, on a fa- yeah. on a pretty deep level yeah. I you know I feel like I told you in our last podcast that we are all there is only one spirit in all that is and that spirit is in you and it is in me and it recognizes itself and so when I am talking to someone I am remembering most of the time. Hmm. There are people who can make me forget, <laughs> but most of the time, there are people I don't, I think, surely not this person. <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> Please, dear God, help. But um, but no, actually, almost you I know, know, 100% of the time, um, I, even if I'm not liking the person, or I think the person is a complete idiot, I still <laughs> understand that the spirit that animates right. them is the spirit that animates us right. all and everything that is, and the stars, and the universes, and so on and so forth. Right. Now, where I was going with this, I can't remember. because Well, I'm you know, not... we were talking a little bit about I, that you might have been better uh, suited your personality to being a wildlife illustrator, and, and maybe for your own self that might be, but I, I watch you on your shows, and then 
um, when we're on the road and and you know people come up to you and and want to tell you their whole life story and you're you're very patient and you're very understanding and you make them feel like they're the only person in the room when you listen to them and you talk to them and for that outwardly person for that outward personality i think you're in the perfect place and the perfect business for what you're doing but i know it's very draining for you as well that takes a lot of energy especially when you've just finished a show and put everything you have into a show and then you know then you have that happen afterwards but but you're very good at it you handle it well i've never seen anybody do it the way that you do it so i, I think maybe you are exactly where you're supposed to be i'm sure i am I'm sure I am, especially because <laughs> when I try to draw now, <laughs> after years and years of not drawing, and uh-huh. when I have that creative urge, I will be writing. Right. Because that's what where I've learned for that creative uh, uh, energy to, to right. come out right. is by writing. Uh, and I, when I try to draw, it, I mean, I used to, I think I drew better when I was nine years old. So I this is now. why you don't illustrate your own album covers. No, I, you don't, I don't think we want that okay. to happen. And fortunately, we're surrounded. I have, uh, I had a wonderful discovery that one of my producers, uh, 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 Jimmy Jackson, who produced a, um, a CD for the Rotary uh, Club for me and, and co-wrote probably the most powerful song on that mm-hmm. rotary cd which is a song called this close it's a song about um being this the rotary well, was rotary, after yeah. me yeah, they were after me to write a song about polio and i said guys you know <laughs> it's not a good polio? topic <laughs> I thought, you know uh oleo folio <laughs> cornholio oh i don't you know it's like what, what am I, I gonna do with this what am i gonna do with this and and one of the guys uh one of the steves did, were both named steve Steve um, Mestri and Steve. Um, I know. I'm thinking, Steve. I can see Steve. Yes, the Steve. airline, the pilot guy. I, Lewis. Steve Lewis. Lewis. Thank God. Uh, phew. Phew. <laughs> uh, Steve Lewis said to me, and and I, you know, really, it was. It, if it hadn't been for Steve Lewis saying to me, I never would have written the song this mm-hmm. close. But he said, Lacey, you have to write a song for us in Rotary because we're this close. This close to curing polio all over the world. Right. And I said, Steve, I said, Steve, that's your song. Right. This close, that's your title. That's, I will write a song called This Close. Right. So I, uh, my friend Jimmy Jackson has played uh, a lot of different types of music and played with a lot of very famous people. And um, I called Jimmy and I said, Jimmy, I need a big world beat kind of a feel for this and here's what I have and I think I had a verse and a chorus mm-hmm. of it and I said I need it to go dum, 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 dum. I need it to be a pulsing beat because it's not country and these right. I mean, many Rotarians don't know or like country right. but uh, they will understand a world beat and so Jimmy and I wrote it over the phone Wow. we wrote this close which is the um, the big polio song that we wrote for Rotary right. over the phone Right. And uh, we produced a CD for very little money. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, uh, uh, I knew that the Rotary Clubs, you know, we didn't take profit or anything right. from it. But we, I think we produced a CD for about $8,000 back then. I had 12 songs on it, but two of them were songs that I had written. Uh, one of them I co-wrote with my longest friend, Mary McFadden, right. with whom I wrote my very first hit, Crazy Blue Eyes. She's been my friend since we were seven years old. Right. So we wrote... Uh, a song around Rotary's um, 
motto. The four-way test. The four-way test, right. you know. And uh, so we and then we call that the rotary song. So we had two rotary songs, and then I just put a bunch of the stuff that I had around that would be not expensive, that right. was already recorded, onto that CD so that Rotary could have something to sell. And we went down to... Um, uh, New Orleans to the big uh, the international Rotary conference. International Conference, and we got their money back for them in one week. Right. We, you wow. know, we sold that many of those things, and I was thrilled to be able to do that, and Jimmy was thrilled to be able to do it. But, but getting back to Jimmy Jackson, who was my co-writer and producer on that CD, uh, I found out recently that Jimmy is this absolute genius graphic artist. And I never really knew it. Mm-hmm. He did some things for me. He'd take a picture of me now and then, and he'd catch a me that I was becoming. I wasn't there yet, but he'd catch that. Okay. And he would, every now and again, he would do something like that. And so when it came time to do uh, a video for uh, to try to raise funds to uh, do an EP, a four-song EP, mm-hmm. I asked Jimmy if he could help me with uh, doing a sort of video for Mm -hmm. the GoFundMe. He did this incredible thing. I still love the video for the GoFundMe, and it did attract a major donor to us, which was, uh, and I guess that's not even really the the, uh, place where you go. You know, I guess GoFundMe is where you go if you need an arm or an eye or something. It's not the right platform, but it was, you know, it's it's a popular one, and so I think we're going for, you know, audience as opposed to we, spending, we don't know what we were. We, had, we didn't know what we were doing. We had no idea <laughs> what to do. No we just thought we need help. We need to, you know, because I'm not with a big record company anymore. And and in that, that was some divine intervention. I I was so unhappy yeah. in Nashville. I really was very very unhappy. I wasn't so unhappy with my very first producer, but uh, and I have wonderful friends there. And I met wonderful writers, and and I never would be able to still work if I hadn't gone there in the right. first place. But it was a very unhappy thing it just for didn't me. Fit. Yeah, it well, no, didn't I was fit. like a I was like a round peg in some kind of a square hole. Right. It was like I didn't fit. I don't fit. Right. I don't know that I. I I don't know. You know, if you say, what kind of music do you do? I do the music that it, that spirit it has in me. Right. And Scarecrow is one of those songs and is a very good example of the kind of song that just comes out of me when I'm feeling certain emotions. Right. And I, some people say it's kind of Appalachian. My country audiences are surprising me. And my, the Western audiences, mm-hmm. I have a following in Western music as well. Um, and country music, and also in certain types of outlaw rockish stuff. But um, I'm surprised because when I play Scarecrow, I, we were up in Idaho and we were playing to what was predominantly a Western right. audience. And Scarecrow is the farthest thing from Western music I think you could ever imagine. And in the middle of my show, and this has happened five or six times yeah. on the road, and it always gets a, a it always gets a big response. Right. But it does. but you don't usually get standing ovations for a song nobody's heard right. in, in the, the middle, middle of a show, show. Right. and that has happened uh, n- numerous times. Right. And that that Western audience, which was the most surprising of all for yeah. me, I was singing songs like um, "I Wish We Had Heroes," like. John Wayne again and Adios and Run and some things right. that I've written that are Western. And I said, would you like to hear something new? And I explained what the song was about and played Scarecrow. And the entire audience stood and kept standing. They did. They stood for a couple of minutes. And that happens frequently. 
And uh, it is, it tells me that even though I don't fit in, uh, I'm calling my genre extraterrestrial. <laughs> well, you fit there. I th definitely. definitely. I think I'm about half alien. <laughs> I think I'm about half alien. Only half? Wait, well, only, only, I think maybe. Uh, only, maybe three quarters? I don't. Somewhere in there. <laughs> well, I have to have someone else's opinion oh, about okay. that. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, I think I do They pretty, don't have DNA for that. So. I think I do pretty well. At masquerading as you a human, do. don't you, you think? Do. Most people would not have any idea. They don't. Just when you get close enough to you, it's like, oh, oh, that. There is a green mm. cast to that skin. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, some of the songs that I, I really believe in Scarecrow. I believe it's an honest, authentic song. Oh, very. There's not any guile in that song. It is just absolutely. No, it's, it's raw emotion. It's raw emotion, but it's packaged and presented in the way that you know people can understand and feel that emotion but it's still a song you can sing to and a song you can listen to over and over i love i love what reverend barbara ann said you know when we when you first came back from la and we'd recorded that song and and we were getting some of the cuts of the master from it and we were sitting in my car out in the in the driveway because we didn't have a, a, a good stereo any place to listen I still to don't it. By the well there's that <laughs> um and we listened to that to scarecrow and barbara ann's comment was that song makes you a whole new you and it makes me a whole new me. And it was just like, and she almost was in tears. Uh, it was just the emotion that came through and that, you know, that touched her with that. And that was exactly what, the kind of thing you're looking for. You wanted people to, to feel that and to understand that. Well, I knew people, I know so many people and so late in life. People are having divorces when they're 55 right. and 65 and 70 years old. And, you know, that far down the line... That's I mean, particularly when like I was wiped out financially. Right. I mean everything. Right. I had six dollars left in the bank. I was able to reclaim some of that, mm -hmm. but not very much. Yeah, well, it take reclaiming takes time. So <laughs> six dollars doesn't feed you for very many days. I didn't have time, and I had a lot of friends stepped up. Yeah, and would just give me five hundred or a thousand dollars and say, "This is you know." This will help get you through. Yeah. And, you know, if you ever have a friend who's going through that and you can spare a little money to right. that person, uh, it really helped me because yeah. everything got cleaned out. And I was in a house in the desert that had no water, so I couldn't sell the house. Right. We had The well had, had problems. I couldn't sell the house. I couldn't have roommates. I mean... I was just stuck. Yeah. And and that was all within the will of spirit because, because I had no water. I was able to talk the bank into, and I had, uh, during that time, the IRS uh, it, uh, came. They couldn't understand how I was living in this expensive house and I wasn't <laughs> having any income and I was broke. They said, you know, this is not possible. And th they hassled me. They actually... Uh, I have, it's too bad we're running out of time because I do have stories about this that, that are magnificent. And I think maybe we'll uh, roll them over into a third uh, podcast so that if they're, if you're interested in these stories, they are very uplifting. Right. Uh, if you, because I believe if you can believe in a higher power, however you do that, I don't care if you call it Buddha or God or uh, Jesus or Divine Mother, um, Divine or Mother, or whatever you—that is such. God is too big to put in a box. Right. God is bigger than you can, much bigger than you can ever put in any kind of 
uh, a box and and understand that way. Yeah. But is something very personal and does actually can move things in your life. And I believe that because I have hit the wall like Wiley e. Coyote right. and dribbled down on the ground with no bones left in my body right. and no way to get up except by believing in something bigger than myself. Right. And that something exists and that something is entirely real. And um, I'll never forget, I was looking at the back of, uh, I have some gold records from uh, having worked with Willie Nelson. And uh, on one of those records on the back of uh, that, one of those albums uh-huh. it said, there was a picture of uh, an outline of cowboys on horses okay, and a cross. And it said, outlaws still believe. Wow. Well, then you definitely are an outlaw, aren't you? Well, I certainly believe. (laughs) There you go. All right. Well, then next time we'll get back to the video on some of those other stories about uh, how you made it through all of those. Oh, you would not. You know, if I ever wrote this in a book, people would not believe it. They (laughs) wouldn't. I wouldn't even believe it. I think, oh, she's making that. You know, nobody has that stuff. Now. Nobody has that. <laughs> All right. Well, looks like Carl's ready for his dinner, so we should go, and we'll be back next time. Join us next time on Right Here, Right Now with Lacey J. Dalton. For additional podcasts, visit us online at LaceyJDalton.live. Also, do you have Lacey's most recent Scarecrow t-shirt, Life's About Now hoodie, or phone case? If not... Be sure to visit her store and click the link to explore brand new Lacey J. Dalton merchandise. Remember, Lacey always loves it when you share her podcast and links to her store on your social media platforms. We'll see you next time, and thanks so much for listening to Right Here, Right Now with Lacey J. Dalton.